0: Welcome to joiners the podcast with Tim and Danny where each week we explore the world of hospitality
1: by chatting with its most colorful characters And this week we had a real treat to enjoy some fine fine independent beer. Yes, we were spoiled We've been spoiled
0: by guests lately
1: bringing all sorts of treats And I think most people know or some people may know that Tim and I aren't necessarily huge beer drinkers and I can't tell you the last time I enjoyed a craft beer and this week's guest, uh, Mike Shalau, he is, is, was brewing. That's his company. Mm-hmm. And he kind of specializes in the saison style. Yeah. And Tim and I got to enjoy a couple while we were recording and they were actually very delicious. They were great. And I think
0: I realized that, uh, cause I, yeah, like I, my default is like a, a cheap Mexican lager or like a high life or something like that. I just like an easy, low ABV kind of watered down drink. Yeah. And... I've realized that maybe I'm just uh, I've been a Saison guy this whole time. Yeah, <laughs> and I, just uh, I know. Didn't, I didn't have the vernacular to articulate it or the experience with the with that style. But yeah, yeah they're very mellow
1: with um some nuanced flavors. Is it I it's kind of like a yeah, natural session- wine, I've, I think. Yeah, it's sessionable. Um yeah. yeah, I think for me I was thinking like maybe it's just I've spent enough time away from craft beer and now I'm ready to come back. Yeah, I'm just I've Maybe Saison is the gateway beer for me. That's the one. It's a slippery
0: slope, man. You <laughs> got to be careful. You got to stay tethered to something. <laughs> but I'm yeah, I'm, I'm not in a in a rush to get a super hoppy IPA. No, never. And I struggle to get make it through any of those when that's the only option available.
1: Our guest this week, he has a very strong beer background. He's not someone who just like casually entered into the world of having his own brewery. Um, he spent many years at Pipeworks, and then kind of, like, decided to to go out on his own and pursue his own path. Yeah, it's one of those conversations where you realize that you're sitting with an expert on
0: a very specific topic. And
1: yeah, he you try everything. to soak in as much as you can. I tried to questions. stump him a
0: bunch of times, <laughs> yeah. and I
1: was unsuccessful.
0: And you can only hope that it's... Um, Articulated to you in a way that you can understand. Yeah, he was great. Some of it was over my head, but I feel that I'm smarter about beer having talked to Mike.
1: Yeah, I was impressed. Yeah. So without
0: further ado, please enjoy our conversation with Mike Shalau.
2: I've known quite a bit of the guests you've had like a yeah. no ron in
0: we'll show you the wall how do you fade. know ron
2: john through lou okay, and so yeah. well so and how do you know lou uh i met lou through some dark matter people and okay. then we i've made a bunch of beers with lou like going back to when i was at pipeworks and the first time we made one like for like, sacred
1: stuff or yeah there were collaborations okay. it was just
2: collaborations for lou's personal yeah, lou, beer collection. lou bank llc yeah, yeah uh 10 angry Pipples. <laughs> um but so we had to shred the uh, agave to put it in, and I was like, "This is a lot. Can you, you guys want you want to come help take pictures?" And so he brought uh, brought Ronnie and I think David Hammond. Yeah, Hammond. Was um, Hammond wearing a hat. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it turns out we were already buying fruit from Ronnie. Oh, nice. Like we, so we used, used we used Greenwood at uh, at Pipeworks. Like what a, do you use for what what fruits
1: concentrates and things that you guys use from Ronnie? Uh, like a lot uh, a okay. bunch of cherry uh, we would get like drums of pineapple at some point yeah we use the coconut for ml yeah and uh we've done
2: a bunch of different stuff coconut's really tough for beer because of the fat content i mm. just put an oil slick on top of a packaged product and so do you have to just use and it will stratify really hard it will like fall out so can you solidify you in the somehow? fridge you can use like flakes and, and most people just use fake extracts but yeah brewing is All over the place right now.
1: Well, just to inform the listener, we're about three drinks deep at this point. We have uh, (laughs) something in front of us. 8.15 a.m. in a a, a beautiful (laughs) wine glass. Um, It is a beer called Bourgeois Daydream. That's correct. Nice. Yeah. All right. I could only see the Bourgeois and I could only see the D. What do we taste first? Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm a big fan. I only drink when Tim pranks me by.
2: Remembering his Fernet coin. <laughs> I, just, I just listened to that episode. <laughs> it's true. Uh, I'm excited to win like the fan contest to get to come on the show. <laughs> we yeah, listening you to every one episode. On you, with a
1: little I don't have a Fernet. I'm not, I'm not, of us I'm have not cool enough honest. to have a Fernet coin. It's also kind of dirty. Oh,
2: no. I know you know It's also kind of dirty that you got him with your Fernet coin that he originally got you. Yeah,
0: I know. Thank you
2: for By saying yeah. that. it
1: feeds you,
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, the real uh so is that Danny's. Son has one, too. (laughs) So he could get us at any time, his five-year-old. Is
1: he five still? It's going to be wasted. (laughs) Well, he has mine, just like all the coins I've ever had go to Arthur and Tim. (laughs) Um, So what is this beer all
2: about? So Bourgeois Daydreams is what we call a table beer, which is kind of this tradition of really low ABV, uh, sometimes called like kinder beers um but there which actually got to tie that in was were beers for kids like okay. they were for children before like there was potable water that was safe to drink you know hmm. um wait rewind what what's this about So, kids. So, like, Saison, the style of beer we make, originates from like French Belgian farms, right? Supposedly, it's the story at least. Mm -hmm. And there weren't always potable water sources that were clean and sanitary. So, the way that they would make them more clean and sanitary was to make beer out of them and give them a little bit of like nutritional uh, value. Hmm. So, like, really low ABV, like 1%, 2% beers. Um, How do you keep the ABV super low? You just don't use as much grain okay and they like then they probably had really under modified grains which meant that there wasn't a great enzymatic action so There
1: wasn't much sugar content in the grains to right. break down it, was, it hadn't
2: been converted like so it was still starchy so you would get a tiny amount of sugar you would still get some starch um, and sweetness
1: but... and if you wanted to bring this like right now it's let's say it's two and a half percent if you wanted to bring it to five percent you would just add it's more like grain d- double the amount of grain okay yeah. Yeah, And so... everything else you'd keep the same
2: yeah, the a- alcohol is completely dependent on how much sugar you have in it and then your yeast's ability to attenuate that sugar. So you wouldn't have to add more yeast
1: because the yeast would naturally just multiply
2: out. I mean, you'd ha- you would have to have enough yeast because if you don't have enough, it will die. Um, but be... just enough to start and then it just is like it, a self-sustaining. Yeah, it keeps growing, yeah. And so like with yeast, it's one of the few ingredients that like you just you don't really need to buy that often for beer. and I mean, certain things you do, certain modern brewing styles are really toxic to yeast, like really high ABVs or really high sugar contents or really high hopping rates aren't great for yeast health. Hmm. But we are one of the few breweries that open ferments. So we don't have a top. all native yeast? No, uh, we pitch yeast. And everything we've added, we've never done like a fully natural fermentation, but we pitch yeast, but then we top crop from it and uh, repitch that yeast. So most brewing yeast, rises to the top when it ferments. Lager yeast goes to the bottom, top fermenting and bottom fermenting. But most ale yeast, even the ones used to make like IPAs and stuff are intended to be cropped from the top of it. But we have these cylindrical conical tanks now that are closed. It's better for sanitary reasons for the most part. Um... But you can't do that anymore. You crop from the bottom, so you don't get the healthiest yeast. So there's a limited amount of generations you can get, whereas us top cropping can go on basically forever.
1: Okay, so it's similar to a sourdough process where you're kind of saving that starter, Mm -hmm. using it over and over again to keep it consistent amongst the different...
2: Yep. So all of our beers are fermented with a... Start with a single strain of Saison yeast, which is just an ale yeast like any other. It's like dogs are all the same genus and species they just behave differently all right cool um, and then this one has Britanamyces added too which is another family of yeasts more like cats where they don't really do what you want them to do most of the time but they create beautiful flavors and that's added at packaging for this oh cool so it's a little bit of funkiness not like overbearing so like
1: it's in added in bottle and then sealed like in crown cap yep, or
2: whatever exactly and everything we do is re-fermented <laughs> in the bottle for all of its carbonation, so everything's naturally carbonated. So it's huh, kind of nice. like a patnat in that regard. Yeah, very much. Or like kombucha. Oh. What about a...
0: Uh, so how long does, is a secondary secondary fermentation to get the carbonation?
2: Um, minimum of a month uh, for, it, for us to feel comfortable. Typically, they're ready in about two weeks to... They're carbonated, but they got to clean up a little bit, and then you want to get a little bit more of that Brett character. The character starts showing up in the following months. So. Is that why your bottles are so dark? <laughs> to, uh, that, to keep the light out i guess yeah keeping light out is mostly like a skunking thing for hop uh, okay. compounds um but there are arguments that like when this style of beer the style of beer we make mostly was originally being made commercially in the, the french belgian border they only had green bottles so much like corona has in- intentional skunkiness or heineken like some people think that a kind of slightly skunked character is the most traditional way to make what we're making hmm. i've heard heineken's more
0: skunky here as opposed to, in Germany is that? A uh, thing? I've
2: I've never had it there. Right. I, I mean, honestly, I haven't. I, I have well, had. Well, maybe it. Germany. Maybe too. Germany too.
1: Yeah, <laughs> all over Europe, maybe. Yeah.
2: Heineken actually has the most breweries oh. in the world. There's like a Heineken brewery like everywhere. Yeah, yeah on little and Island stuff. Wasn't one going to open in Chicago? Too. Did that? There's a Guinness brewery oh, Guinness, open in Chicago. Yeah. Did that yeah. open? Uh, it's next month.
0: Oh, okay. Had, or maybe June. Oh, but yeah. I remember talking to them like years ago about. Uniforms. Doing uniforms. And then I haven't heard anything since. Nice. So yeah. Guessing we should not, probably probably send, a not send a follow-up email maybe? they <laughs> <Hey, laughs> seem like just, a
2: company that throws stuff together no, in the last man. month or so. <laughs> <laughs> just check it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they, they've been They're, crazy. Yeah. They're doing wild stuff. They just closed like a $900 million facility in the the one in like Baltimore or something Mm, Um, must be nice. Yeah. (laughs) That's this studio costs roughly that. Yeah. I can tell. Yeah. I (laughs) don't, you didn't have to do the soundproofing in like gold leaf. That was a (laughs) really nice touch. It looks good. It does. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, All right, we 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 jumped right into the master
0: class. Let's go back. (laughs) Where did your journey with beer begin?
2: Um, In college, uh, I actually didn't like drink or do anything cool in high school. And when I got to college, I started drinking all the nerd alert, (laughs) big big time nerd. (laughs) Uh, um, But yeah, and mostly like my Uh, senior year of college is when I started getting to like craft beer, um, because DePaul didn't have classes on Fridays for some reason anymore, hmm. and there was a bus that went door to door from my apartment to Half Acre. And Whoa. so I, when they had first opened the tap room, one of Tim's friends actually was working there. Kate Thomas, shout out. Yeah. And, <laughs> KT. I, and I had a, uh, a crush on her. So I kept going up there and like flirting with her. And I didn't even like the beer, to be honest. The first time I had. <laughs> so this There's is some... a Lincoln bus? Yeah, there used to be a Lincoln bus. Wow. It went from uh, like Lincoln. I lived at Lincoln in Fullerton. because uh, I went to the music school at DePaul and it was uh, right across the street and it would go door to door to door. door-, door. Um, what music were you doing? I have a degree in performing arts management. I have a Bachelor of Music in performing arts management, and nice. a minor in business administration. But I was a jazz guitar player in college. That's cool. Yeah, I was not very good at it, but I was good enough to like get in yeah. and realize I'm not going to do this professionally. Better get some sort of real. You and Rob got like a real degree. Yeah, I, I, he was a sax player. Right? Yeah, yeah, he was.
0: Well, Danny's a sax player too
2: right yeah, are I you played really a little bit yeah nice I, I played saxophone from like fourth grade through high school oh so you're m- probably much better than me. i haven't touched it since so probably not yeah. you know <laughs> hot cross buns though you know like he knows the classics <laughs> yeah I, I think i could probably still play a couple scales that's about it yeah
1: i found i finally got a sax during the pandemic which was exciting but i have yet to play
2: it really yeah it's, it's alto tenor what do you yeah alto but nice. i also
1: i had like been renting a sax from like evanston band and orchestra and it was, like, very annoying. It's like so, you and a bunch
2: of, like, fifth graders. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and then so I was like, you know, one day I'm going to get my own sax. So and when so. the pandemic came, you're like, I can't share a sax anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a ton, yeah. Do you actually play regularly? Uh, no, I, I did for, it's like. lifetime time. Yeah, for a few years. And then I haven't played in, in like, for a few years. Basically okay. when the kids were. You know born and whatnot, stop playing. What do you and you just want to play just to have, for, yeah, for you fun know, or I to, grew to master up. something? Or no, what's yeah, the... I grew up, uh, there's no musical talent in my family, and I had <laughs> never depends. played, there's it's in you, <laughs> yeah. I know I never played an <laughs> instrument, um, I was not good at anything, no instruments, um, and so I was like, you know what, I feel like this is like something missing from my life, and I wanted to, to learn something, and I'm like pretty big into jazz, and nice just want to learn how to play the sax so So you're going to be cultural yeah yeah
2: who would you like to play like if you master the bill clinton (laughs) (laughs) you're trying to get on on arsenio hall
0: (laughs) (laughs) this episode of joiners is brought to you by stock manufacturing makers of fine hospitality workwear You obsess over the details in your space, so why stop at your staff's uniforms? Stock has something for every aesthetic, from fine dining to a corner cafe, they've got you covered. Choose from in-stock ready-to-wear options or design the perfect custom uniform for your team. For more information, visit stockmfgco.com. So, all right so you're making frequent yeah. trips up to yeah, half acre yeah, yeah. you got a cute girl behind <laughs> the counter
2: are yeah. you learning about the process or are you just uh, a consumer at that point just a consumer at that point and honestly the first time i had daisy cutter which is their flagship beer i leaned over to my friend and was like this is, this is disgusting anyone <laughs> anyone who says they like this is, is lying to themselves it was kept... because they were too bitter or what uh yeah yeah was it that I, what you were I, you responding know, to the bitterness g- probably I genuinely my palate wasn't like i didn't have the language then to even know why i didn't like it yeah um have like, you become more tolerant to bitter flavors over time you, yeah way more tolerant to bitter and way less tolerant to sweet honestly like hmm. i don't like sweet things sweet beers yeah anymore. i love a good donut, do you think but... that's the maturation of taste buds or do you think yeah. that's just
1: exposure i that... think it's our taste buds dying <laughs> Honestly, it's, yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's because when you're, you're you no, know, when yeah. you're young, you're so sensitive to all those flavors. Mm-hmm. So when they hit you, you're just like, it's like so off-putting. Like yeah, blue cheese, bitter things. Those neural whatever. pathways haven't developed, and then you get older, and like things have mellowed out. You probably right. lost a bunch of taste buds, and it becomes this like tolerable range. That's yeah. at least my. I
0: remember theory. when I was working on the trading floor, the older traders would just pour hot sauce on everything, and I was like, yeah, twenty-one or twenty-two, and I was like. I couldn't handle it at all and now I can't have like an omelet without hot sauce. On you know, it.
1: Yeah. I try to restrict how much hot sauce I use because I feel like For the, it's kill no, just I feel like oh, it's killing, killing palate. my palate. I don't want to need to rely on it. Yeah, I'm try I try to do it with salt as well, but I I'm you always like to put salt. In <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. You
2: need that. It's a vital nutrient. But it's like
1: it's like sugar, like the more of it you use, the more of it you need. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. kind of like Totally. it's like heroin well, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah it just doesn't hit the same yeah so, chasing the dragon <laughs> chasing that sweet sweet dragon <laughs> oh, I, man.
2: um that part will probably get cut out nah, that's our real that's, the part that's gonna get clipped <laughs> uh, uh, but th- th- that is actually something that i talk with like a lot of my friends who work in the beer industry about is sweetness and how it's actually like super super popular now more than ever hmm. and how it used to not be such so prevalent in beers, but as more people kind of started drinking craft beer, the production of craft beer shifted towards a more uh, simple palate, like a more like well, there's there are beers now that are pretty much just fruit juice, like they're straight. Do you think up that the sour juice.
1: beer trend kind of started that or like pushed it in that direction? Um,
2: depends on the type of sour beer. Like the kettle sour, like the quicker sours, for sure. Where there was just like oh it. it When it was exciting for it to, like, it just tastes like pineapple
1: juice. And I think this, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're seeing a similar thing, I think, in wine and how those trends have come, too. Like, the natty wine movement is about, like, having crushable wines that don't require much, you know, thought. Yeah. Um, Of course, the production is very involved, and there are many intricacies. But as far as, like, our palate, it's easier to introduce someone to a natty wine it's just kind of like racy and lively, and the fruits there uh, versus something that is more like tight, you know, a little more challenging. You have to sit with it. It's earthier. It has like more mushroom notes. Although Tim loves shrooms. So <laughs> <laughs> big drug episode. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: I think he was talking like Miyataki. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. That's what I yeah, thought yeah, too. Yeah. Sure. Um, no, but I, I think that those things are parallel, right? Sure. Like the beer that you know you probably respect more
2: is like you said not the sweeter style not right well and part of it i think is that people's palates are like a lot of them just like in the the matrix at this point like i was talking with someone from scratch which is a brewery downstate that like everything they do comes from the land that this guy grew up on and they forage everything and he saw a, a strawberry beer on tap in the winter and he's like that can't be real strawberry but it's like When people go to drink a milkshake IPA, they don't want it to taste like real strawberries. They want it to taste like Nestle Quick. And when they drink a coconut (laughs) beer, they don't want it to taste like eating a coconut. They want it to taste like fake coconut flavor. Yeah, like a Mounds bar. So there's plenty of styles that have arisen for... uh, They're basically like consumer packaged goods styled beers, like Oreo beers and yeah sheet cake beers and stuff that's, that's something i think a
0: lot hmm. about is like how do they arrive on these artificial flavors that taste absolutely nothing like <laughs> the actual thing it's supposed to represent like watermelon who made that decision exactly never yeah. have i tasted like i'm not chewing watermelon issues and thinking about a watermelon <laughs> yeah I, I yeah i have no
2: idea
1: <laughs> well i mean it started with the thing and then just they dialed it
2: to 11 right I, you know I, do you think that watermelon just, flavor just, is just like super concentrated watermelon? yeah 100 i mean yeah, there's really? a,
1: there's a parallel like it's not like totally unwatermelon
2: like but it's not like the flavor of eating a, a watermelon what, what do you think the dilution would have to be for like a, a pack of licious <laughs> yeah. to get it to taste like pure water like real watermelon or, yeah what, exactly. how do we try to That's titrate down but, the watermelon
1: but like talking about the consumer packaged goods angle i mean they're they make all sorts of fruits and hybrids of like grapes they're trying to bring out the sweetest possible grape like those cotton candy grapes that get sold at trader joe's or wherever and they taste like cotton candy they're like just whatever has been isolated and they've just like really leaned into how sweet they can make those grapes and they do start to taste you know they're making them
2: to taste that sweet for a reason do you know uh, about grapeles or grapples Mm-mm. they're like grape flavored apples but oh, mm-hmm. those are just in like imbued with mega purple oh weird yeah because mega purple that's not a, cool it's a pe- mega purple is a pesticide oh, oh. Yeah. so they just like oh. d- dialed it way up <laughs> and so it's Ooh. like oh it tastes like grapes it's like yeah but it's completely artificial <laughs> <laughs> you're being slowly poisoned yeah <laughs> no, that's all of us all the time quickly poisoned yeah um, um so first know. off
1: this beer is delicious thank you it is very good can you explain kind of like what we're tasting yeah what we're tasting process yeah. Are we, i feel like we're about to get pranked by this garbage truck i'm just yeah. waiting for it to
0: just unload and <laughs> yeah. throw us a. it's really
2: a, a, a mean way to refer to your guests <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> it well, like I think a jet you know, engine out I think the it just <laughs> teaches
1: people that uh, it really shows we're recording in Chicago. Yeah, we're yeah. not just in some random
2: quiet yeah. place. New Real York City, City doesn't have alleys, baby. <laughs> 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 um, do you want me to wait till the garbage trucks done, or do you no, want to go? No, no, no let's no. just keep yeah, it. Okay, keep rolling. Um, so it, it, yeah, it's a table I beer. More of this? Did you pour it all? Oh, yeah, it's all of it. Oh, Sorry, there's other beers though. Ten forty-five. We just had low. Lounge, so we're we're all hyped oh, nice up. uh that place is great so good awesome. um, yeah so it's uh a really low starting gravity so it's like six play-doh to start which is like equivalent to bricks if you like no bricks at all no what's starting gravity starting gravity is the concentration of sugar in the liquid in the okay. wort, and so six is like some beers finish at the, the gravity this starts at it's so like i oh, feel wild. like i can feel the gravity in my head <laughs> yeah, it's just the garbage guy. just the garbage
1: <laughs> Danny's blacked out. <laughs> yeah, I'll never remember this. You guys had
0: a
2: Fernet coin challenge before right? So... <laughs> We're up sure all night. In my house. Yeah. Fernet in the ditch. <laughs> um, and then, so we ferment it with a specific type of Saison yeast. Um, and it's fermented, like, really, really hot for most beers. Like, an, an ale is typically fermented somewhere between 68 and 71 degrees Fahrenheit. And this starts at 80, this beer specifically starts at 84 degrees Fahrenheit, and we just let it rise as much as it's going to. So, what makes it start at a higher temperature? You can control your what we call knockout temperature. So, so I'm sorry, why do you start
1: this one at a higher temperature?
2: Um, ester production is the main reason, um, and just attenuation. So, our yeast wouldn't really ferment all the way out at 68 degrees. Gotcha. Um, and then our Cezanne yeasts are very prolific ester producers uh, which all ale yeast produce esters but you ferment them colder to like kind of keep them at bay um, but we want to get a lot of it so our yeast specifically actually makes the same ester they use to flavor juicy fruit gum like hmm. exactly the same compound as well as some do you ever esters. get a juicy fruit note yeah all the time like there's like a there, and depending on how much of it is in there <clears throat> you can go from it tasting like a gumball like that you get out of a like a dispenser to like an actual piece of juicy fruit like it Whoa. and that's all just concentration of that specific huh. ester
0: does that flavor last 10 seconds like the gum uh it's not fruit stripe <laughs> it's juicy oh fruit. yeah fruit stripe's even worse <laughs> yeah
2: zebra baby <laughs> yeah um but so it makes that ester it makes like a one that's kind of like pineapple like one that's banana like and then um and we're trying to get as much of those as possible because the saison yeast also produces something called phenolics which are kind of like the spicier peppery kind of can be smoky and high concentration characteristics mm-hmm. And those are consistent across temperature for our fermentation. And for basically all fermentations, if you ferment it cold, you're going to make the same phenolics with this yeast as you fermented it hot. But if you make more esters, it kind of recontextualizes that character. So huh. if you don't have as many esters, it's going to be more clove and black pepper. And then when you juice the esters up, it's more like white pepper and cardamomy because it, you get this perceived fruitiness coming from that spiciness. Whoa. It's so it, mind-blowing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Do you have, like, have you ever... <clears throat> You know bottled a range of beers that are like the various temps that you're just referencing and seeing how those notes kind of play out in real
2: life we haven't changed temperature for stuff like that but we have done experiments of like open top versus closed top fermentation and we've accidentally done temperature where i wasn't paying attention to the knockout temperature and some got hotter or colder than so knockout
1: means that all the yeast is dead
2: no, uh, knockout knock, knock is when you're knocking out of the boil kettle, going through the heat exchanger to start fermentation. So you okay. go from like 212 degrees boiling down to like whatever your yeast pitch temperature is. So 68 for a normal ale, 80 to 84 for us. For this. For this. Um, and then, then you pitch your yeast after that. And that's the beginning of your actual fermentation. So, what's the difference between like closed top and open top in terms of the finished product? So, the amount of back pressure is the biggest thing. More pressure on the yeast will stress it out more, and then it will create less esters. And 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 you want more esters because more flavor. Yeah, basically. And, And it will usually attenuate less. Can you have too many esters? uh it's style it's stylistically you can like depending on the style of what you're trying to do yeah for what we do like i i don't think we could possibly get too many esters i would never be like ah it's too much ester there are certain esters you can definitely have too much of like the ester that smells like pear In small concentrations smells like tires In high concentrations it's really yeah. really really hard Is that to like in riesling much of it, that you get that kind of tire kind uh of it, like it could be gasoline it could it could be i don't really know riesling hmm. as well that also could be um thiols that are okay. something that usually comes from hops, but now they're making yeast that do it specifically. Wow. But, like, Riesling and what's the big one? Uh, the big New Zealand wine. Sauvignon, like Sauvignon Blanc, Blanc yeah. Are huge uh, thiol contents. Huh. Yeah, which is, like, neat. It's, I'm not even sure what they are chemically. Is that, like, the gooseberry tropical fruit yeah, stuff? exactly. Cool. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. It's like uh, vanilla extract. When you smell it, it smells delicious. But if you get to a concentration that's actually tasteable, it's going to be way too strong and terrible yeah. tasting. Right. Um,
1: essences.
0: Yeah, essences.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> the meditation so, on essences. <laughs> so this beer ferments completely all, all the way down to complete dryness. So there's no sugar left in this beer at all. Um, we do that during primary fermentation. Then we cold condition it for a little bit just to let everything mellow and chill. And then... Um, we package everything in these 500 milliliter bottles. We add why, simple sugar. Why the 500 ml bottle? Um, stylistically for Saison, you want to have a really high level of carbonation for the like optimal drinking experience of it. Um, and these are pressure rated higher than like cans or like regular long neck would be Hmm.
1: it's also they can handle more pressure yeah these go up
2: to like four and a half five volumes like almost champagne levels of carbonation
1: wow i guess i didn't know that there were thresholds yeah i figured a can could handle an infinite amount but i obviously know yeah it depends
2: on the can to be honest because like coca-cola is super high carbonation but the cans they sell to brewers are not quite as robust as the cans coca-cola is
1: and you can't get those or no, they're not no, commercially can't. available. All yeah, they, Coke
2: makes them yeah. proprietarily. It's really hard to get cans in general right now, to be honest. Huh? Yeah, there's only two companies that make cans in the country for craft brewers, at least, and one of them is just continually closing plants because they're inefficient to move production elsewhere. And then yeah, sounds like a new business for you, Tim. I, making I, cans. I had a summer accounting job in
0: college, and the owner of the factory, his friend had like helped develop commercial cans and he was like they're not perfectly cylindrical right. they're slightly conical to come off the molds huh, huh. yeah and uh, that always stuck with me they're also
1: yeah.
2: all uh, lined with plastic <laughs> like yeah, there's microplastics in all of them yeah i just read a terrible microplastics article and uh every one of your craft beer cans that has a label on it cannot be recycled unless you take that label off the, mm-hmm. la- the labels are not good the labels are the same stuff they like make, the like chip that you, bags the tear out of. You know, yeah the, like ones the, the stickers the... that are yeah great, the stickers yeah. that are yeah. on like cans like this you, you have to take this off to recycle this bottle um real quick
1: going back to esters let's say we go through some popular styles of beer mm-hmm. which one has the lowest the least esters yeah. you know and then working
2: kind of your way up Um, I mean, if you know, typically like lager would have super low ester profiles, like the whole idea of lagers to make a super clean, um, fermentation that almost the the yeast is kind of out of the way. So you can taste like the crispness of the malts and the quality of the ingredients, um, more purely. So that'd be super low. Something like a, like an IPA and pale ale would also be really, really low. And the intention of the fermentation would be to keep the esters low but you'd get a lot of those fruity flavors from hops. Hops, yeah. yeah. So their hops are standing
1: in for esters, yeah, kind of.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Um, or, I mean, hops do other things as well. But uh, then something like an English-style beer, like something you would have on cask, actually would have higher ester production than, like, an American pale ale. Hmm. Um because they like traditional English brewing is also open top fermentation and typically less temperature controlled, so you just end up getting more esters, like a Boddington's, yeah. Boddington's would probably have a little bit more ester, um, than or like, a, like an ESB or something okay. like that. Um, and then like a Belgian kind of Trappist beer would have some esters to it, like a, okay. like a lot of bubblegum banana in those, typically. Ah, uh, yes, and then they're they're probably up there with saison as having like the most like kind of like Chimay, all those yeah different exactly situations. yeah like uh duvel um all that stuff has like pretty high ester content and pretty high yeah the content. banana stuff is
1: resonating for me as i'm
2: yeah bananas the, those the, those the most typical ester you get in like beer yeasts yeah and so like when you're making like a you know a dank tropical juicy ipa you don't really want that much banana in it you want like papaya and guava and stuff from the hops to show up so
1: Yeah, so hops are giving bitterness and they're also giving like complex aroma flavor profile. Yeah. What else do hops do in beer? Uh,
2: They have these things called polyphenols in them, which bind to different aspects of, of other things in beer and create a lot of structure in the body, actually. Most people don't think about that, but for us, it's huge. So we typically use like low alpha hops, meaning low. A potential for bitterness we use more of them to get more of that polyphenol because these beers are again like this is 3.2 percent alcohol it finishes with no fin- no sugar so in order to have any body in that you need some protein from the malts and you need some f- polyphenol from the hops to give it structure and make you feel like you're drinking something that isn't just water so protein is what gives the body to the beer uh, like the Malt. yeah a good chunk of it so everything we do has some sort of like high protein grain in it something like um we don't use a lot of wheat because that changes the phenolic, uh, profile of our yeast, but we use a lot of spelt, rye, oats, flaked grains have more, uh, more gelatination <laughs> possibilities. So more, more gelatin yeah. shout out to the Um So that helps build body as well. And then our yeast also makes some compounds that add to perceived body. Cool. yeah so even though these are super super dry really low and everything else they have decent body to them i had on my list
0: where and why do you get the grains you use and i guess you just answered it
2: well pretty much everything we source comes from indiana there's a a, a maltster in indiana who uses a lot of indiana stuff but, but grain from everywhere um, super small malting batches um, basically by hand Um, called Sugar Creek. He's fantastic. They're Hmm. probably one of the better molesters in the entire country. Wow. And he'll just drive it up here from London, Indiana. That's awesome. Excellent. And if he makes a version of something we're going to use, we'll get it from him. There's certain stuff that he doesn't make that we'll get from other sources. But we try to stay as local as possible for most things. Um, Just a philosophical desire to do that and then... You know, 10 years ago, there weren't people in Indiana and Michigan making good hops and good malt. And now there are because of the explosion of craft beer and everything that supports it. So we're able to get world-class ingredients from really close by. And I'd rather, you know, give him, you know, two cents more per pound for his malt than get something that was, you know, grown in Germany and malted over there and then flown over here. And you can taste the difference, too, of like really, really fresh malt, especially in a beer like this. It's like super low ABV. There's not a lot to it except the fermentation and the malt and a little bit of the hops.
0: Well, your knowledge of beer and the brewing process is vast. Was that acquired at Pipeworks?
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, so I started at Pipeworks as like an intern, an unpaid intern, and was there for almost seven years. And throughout that time, I just kept doing whatever I thought needed to be done. I ended up like being a, a managing partner by the end of it and running all daily operations and overseeing uh, recipe development and the barrel program mostly, um, but most of the the education that for people there and that company was kind of autodidactic, figuring out how to solve problems. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we didn't. No one really knew that well what we were doing when we started, and just the desire to keep making better and better beer would be like, well, this is happening. So we got to figure out how to not have that happen anymore. Like there's too much oxygen getting into this. What do we do? Oh, we got to counter pressure fill it. Like, Oh, we can't just do a bunch to do things like we did them in the, the homebrew days, which I was a terrible homebrewer. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. What made and, you bad at homebrewing? Uh, just the complete lack of knowledge and patience. Yeah. Patience what do you wish one. you knew
0: then that, you know, now, or, like, what could a home About, brewer listening to this, what would you like them to know?
2: Um, something
0: low-hanging fruit for an easy fix or something o- to improve? Oxygen
2: through? is the enemy. Okay. There's almost no, no situation po- during post-fermentation where you want to add oxygen. Um, and avoiding it as much as you can is paramount to making good beer. And what's the best way to avoid that? Purging things with carbon dioxide. So, like, having a little tank of carbon dioxide and purging the – if you're going to transfer it into a different vessel, getting rid of all the oxygen, which is not that tough because CO2 is heavier than oxygen. So, if you put the tube into the bottom of the carboy or whatever you're transferring into and let it it go slow and low, it will just push all of it out eventually. And you can smell it. So, there's other inert gases you can use, too, like that are cheaper, like nitrogen would also work. Um, But you can just put your nose over the thing, and be like, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll have a very visceral reaction if you've actually purged that vessel correctly. And you've spent time in Belgium. Yeah, I, I mean, I visited Belgium. I didn't like brew there or anything. But what but... was the event? Or... Uh, I, so when I was starting, is was, um, you know, we never really made Saison. It was just my favorite style of beer. And I had done a later on, I was a better home brewer. We had done something like I'd started home brewing again with a friend. And what all were your we... favorite? Uh, examples of the saison style. Uh, my favorite brewery is the one called Blaugie, um which is like right on the French-Belgian border. They're very tiny; it's like a family operation, um, and they make a saison called Deputre, which means of spelt. It's a spelt saison. Actually, the, the yeast we use is a commercial version of like yeast from them, which ours has evolved quite a bit over time, so it's not exactly the same but most of what we did was based on that beer and that and a beer called Vermontois, which is a collaboration with them and Hill Farmstead. Cool. Um, but then there's a brewery called Auberon, which is in France, but is five minutes from Blaugie. It's like right over the border. Can you get these beers here? Uh, yeah, you'd have to go to like a more specialty store, like the beer temple or something They're They're in like 750 cork and cage bottles and, um, Plough G is somewhat readily available there. Albarone's a little less so, but um, yeah, you can you can find them here yeah. if you if you go to spots and ask your local beer purveyor this uh, garbage truck is really pranking us will he's
1: doing a two for today he's doing <laughs> he, double dip one he d- came back he's <laughs> like i think they're recording a podcast up there. <laughs> let me get back in there i think yeah. i forgot something last time that, <laughs> <Yeah. is> that, <laughs> did i empty that barrel
2: is that gilded soundproofing up there it must
1: be a very fancy podcast studio. yeah they won't be bothered by me huh. little old me garbage
2: truck <laughs> So you went to Belgium to, yep, so. just, like, on a beer adventure. Yeah, I had a friend who was living in Luxembourg at the time. So I flew into Luxembourg, and we drove across the French-Belgian border where basically all the the breweries that make artisanal versions of the style of beer I wanted to base Iswas on are. And we stopped it up, like, a bunch of them and tried a bunch of different stuff. Um, Luxembourg? Who was living in Luxembourg? <laughs> Our buddy Barrett. Barrett Ahern. <laughs> yeah, what's Another shout-out. Barrett. Another shout out. Barrett. Um, well, I, so I was really afraid... Because um, I had been to Europe a, uh, at least a couple times, and I'd been to Japan a couple times on beer-related trips in China, um, and tasting those countries' versions of hoppy beers was like, oh, you're just not you don't you do not get it. Like just because there isn't as much cold chain there, um, hops aren't stored as well, the beers aren't stored as well, so their understanding of what a really hoppy beer is is something that we would get here and be like, oh, this is this is out of code. Which, so,
0: which country is this just generally, just the, China, generally, China, generally China, anywhere the, outside yeah. of the US yeah
2: generally the rest the, and it's, it's gotten better mm-hmm. um, cause, but I was terrified that I'm like if am I going to make really bad versions of Cezanne because I only get these like you know six months eight months ten month year old versions of it hmm. and the, it, it wasn't turns out that really isn't the case they're, they're very shelf stable especially because the bottle conditioning process takes up all, any oxygen that might be left in that bottle The yeast consumes it when it's making that carbonation and, uh, extends the shelf life. Plus the addition of Britannomyces in a lot of our beers, that just keeps chewing and getting rid of oxygen forever. Not for for a very long time.
0: Does each country have its own style of beer or are other countries trying to emulate what America's doing? Who's kind of the, who's setting the pace on, in that regard?
2: Um, I'd say right now, America is setting the pace. Like for the longest time, American brewing was almost entirely based on English brewing um like all of the home all homebrew recipes and like all those texts were based on trying to make like traditional english beers there was some belgian influence and some you know german influence or czech influence but those are mostly commercial outfits rather than like what and the, the american craft beer really arises out of homebrewing culture um but i'd say america is leading the way right now in like craft beers consciousness across the country across the world there was a a time probably around like 2014 or so where you started seeing european breweries um t- trying to make beers like american beers where they're like well it's like no well we make the america has piss water beer it's terrible and then they're like oh wait yeah these are actually pretty good so <laughs> we, want, we want to make ipa here in belgium or in denmark or whatever um so now america is definitely in the way uh australia and new zealand are actually doing really crazy stuff they have they have very robust hop growing uh regions down there around where they grow like sauvignon blanc grapes and stuff like that so they get like incredibly different flavors out of their like the terroir of their local ingredients Hmm. so now everyone here is trying to get their hops and Hmm. um yeah how would
0: you describe
2: chicago's brewing culture it it's genuinely probably one of the best places to drink beer in the world the local brewing scene is Really, really world class and incredibly diverse compared to a lot of other places in America and like other countries. We have breweries that focus on amazing lager with like old school techniques or more modern techniques. We have three of the top 20 uh Saison breweries in the world, uh, by like a poll last year, are in Chicago or the surrounding areas. Three. Um, it, it was, uh, off color, uh, afterthought, which is out in Lombard. And then us where we were nice. uh, we made, we snuck on, we were number 20. <laughs> nice. Thanks. Woo! Um, and then some of the best like hoppy beers uh, in the country are made here too. Like it's different San Diego as an argument, but that's, there's a lot of monoculture stuff there there's every place has a brewing scene, but Chicago's is incredibly diverse in breweries that have a very specific point of view and execute at a really high level, like a more specific vision than just being kind of like, here's a souped up version of a 90s brew pub. And we've just been doing the same thing for a long time. So, what do you think the reason is? Um, I, I think Chicago, there's a lot of reasons. So, one of them is that Chicago was like a huge place for imported beer. It was like Philadelphia and Chicago were massive import places because for Europe's central
0: location for, yeah,
2: for a really long time. So, we got a lot of German beers and a lot of Belgian beers and a lot of like, really high-end international beers really early on. <clears throat> so that kind of laid the found foundation before we had a lot of breweries. And then having Goose Island here is massive. There's like a tree of people who have w- worked at Goose Island and then people have left and started their own breweries and then people have worked for them. So having a, a world-class brewery since the 80s that um, that had like a huge educational program and just well-trained brewers that could go to other breweries and, and start their own thing and teach other people how to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Can't, that can't be understated. So those are the, I think those are the two biggest. And then just, uh, beer consumers and people who, the, the clientele, the people who live in Chicago, uh, are incredibly open to really good things, like really good food, really good beer. Like they're more open than a lot of other places. And they're more seeking quality and uniqueness than cachet and like I don't know more uh, elitism in it. Mm-hmm. So beer fits really well into that, and it's something that can be made and you can uh, in locally and connected with people locally. Um, so you got that the, makes all sense. that, all that coming together. Yeah. But yeah, but primarily, I would have to say it's that the people here are really open to and embracing of. Really good beer.
0: Let's hear it for Chicago! And yeah, go Chicago. Well, from L.A., but... Yeah,
2: yeah. I'm yeah. from Connecticut, well, so... No. No, never mind. <laughs> and Tim's not from the city of Chicago. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's hear it for Wheeling yeah. or whatever. Yeah. What Shannon, talking? my yeah. wife is from <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> okay. Way to go, uh, Shannon. Way yeah, to go, she, she went to high school with one of my cousins.
0: That high school is now defunct.
2: Actually, I guess they didn't go to the same high school. He went to Brother Rice. Oh, yeah. Where'd she
0: go? She went to, like, the sister school. Macaulay. Vet. She went to... God, it's on Cog Hill. What's the school there? I forget what know. it's called. But it's in Lamont? My joke is
2: No, it's in Beverly, right?
0: Shannon. Well, Shannon's from Beverly, but her school is in Lamont. Oh, got it. And um, she was such a bad student that they had to close the school. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon's going to love that. <laughs> she knows that joke. <laughs> um, all right. So, to so yeah. your Pipeworks, you raise through the ranks. You go from intern to what was your managing partner? Managing yeah. partner
1: running the day-to-day operations yeah was the next autodidactic was the next logical <laughs> the <key> step
0: <laughs> like from an entrepreneurial standpoint like had you always wanted to do your own thing or was, were you just at the point where it's like I've, i feel like i've gotten everything i want from this and now i want to do something unique or it, it i want to explore this rabbit hole what, yeah, what was that
2: little, decision like? little of all of that like i always kind of imagined doing something myself mm-hmm. um but also like i had kind of done everything i wanted to do there and i was starting to have some like philosophical disagreements about what i wanted to do creatively and what was kind of necessary for a brewery that had grown to that size mm-hmm. and i just didn't my heart wasn't really in it anymore i was kind of not that into beer in general anymore because i was only drinking the things that pipeworks was making they're great breweries mm-hmm. great brewery really great beers i just didn't i'd grown out fallen out of liking those styles. And I had a um, Vermont Trois from Blaugie, what we were talking about before, one of those beers, at Beer Temple. And so you like,
1: went to Belgium after? At, yeah, after this.
2: Okay. Uh, so this was at Beer Temple, and I just remember sitting there having it. And before I worked at Pipeworks, I really only drank Saison and kind of Belgian beer and, like, lower ABV beers. Mm-hmm. Pipeworks is famous for, like, higher ABV, really intense flavors, which was great. And, uh, you know, I oversaw a lot of the recipe development there, so I learned how to do that really well and enjoyed a lot of those beers at the time I just wasn't into it anymore and it wasn't feeling creative anymore and I had this Cezanne I was, it was like falling back in this wormhole to when I worked at Westlake View Liquors and this was like the thing that I loved the most I'm like oh I forgot this is why I got into this in the first place and so those things came together and and I just needed to a change and so I left Pipeworks in like May of twenty nineteen, I think, and we had brewed our first beer in June of twenty nineteen, and then released it in like August. And within six months, everything shut down. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just needed I needed to do something on my own, and you know, I I went to school to play the guitar. I want I and then or support people that did things creatively, and I realized I wanted to have up to a more creative part of the. In a more creative part of the beer world and who did you team up with for is was? Um, so my partner at the beginning was uh, Dylan Melvin who um, has was a bartender and cocktail guy he worked at like uh, I remember like Dixie for a while and okay, worked at Billy's yeah. Q. and he's now the, the the buyer and does a lot of other stuff for foxtrots um, but this he had just started working there and he was my college roommate actually he was a trumpet player. And, um, yeah, we started it together, the two of us, um, brewing, brewing everything ourselves still do, I, uh, he has since stepped back a little bit cause his job, like they're they took off they've opened like a bazillion stores sure, sure. Yeah. it's yeah. like he's like well they raised 65 million dollars and i've we've raised the 750 we both put into this to, <laughs> to, to not uh, incur bank fees for not yeah. having enough money in the bank account um <laughs> and he had a kid and he like bought a house so he had like his his actual life took off while we were still doing this kind of so gypsy you, but you're doing thing. it full-time yeah this is my full-time job and i'm right now i'm the only person who actually is consistently. And I, where I, is your facility? So we rent space from Beguile. We don't have our own tap room or anything. We'd like, it's like kind of gypsy brewing where you move around. We were at Mars for a while. We were at, okay. but we brew everything ourselves and everything after the, the uh, I say we, I, I brew it with like one other guy, <laughs> this guy and, Ari, who has awesome. a day job.
1: And where does the name come from?
2: Um, I got really into a philosophy about sense of self and how even though every seven years or so you're Physically, every cell in your body is not. There's no similar cells from seven years ago, and yet your consciousness still presents and tells you that you are this and you, ha- you were this, and it's a continuous timeline. Yeah. And um, I thought that tied in really well to the intention to use the saison yeast and the Brettanomyces and bottle conditioning, um, and just in beer in general, like even the same batch of the same beer, if you have it, you know, six months apart from each other that same beer is going to present itself very differently to you because the beer might be a little bit different in the bottle you're a different person you're in different circumstances and so the idea is the beer is something right now it was something and then our flagship beer is called will be which is kind of the continuation of that into the future and then also i saw it on the back of a wilco album nice (laughs) yeah (laughs) you can't step
0: in the same river twice yeah Yeah. it's a great name so what what's a typical day look like for you
2: um, so we only brew once or twice a month. We only release one, one or two beers every month. So on brew days, it's usually like we're in at like 8am and mashing in, just doing every step of the brewing process. We bottle twice a month too, but most of my days are actually like at home on the computer. I do all the sales and all the deliveries. Um, I'm co- coordinating with our label artist. The only thing I don't do is draw the labels yeah, no, no, no never. that yeah never not until you see a, a wilco album and just look <laughs> in the back of it and just there's snipe that yeah it's take steal yeah i think everyone steals from wilco in chicago at some point yeah um and then right now i'm trying to find a space to actually have a permanent home so there's a lot of a lot of looking on crexy and different places to find some real estate which i think w- we've found one that's very promising and moving forward with that cool. but um yeah, then just getting things together to either, you know, take on a, a decent-sized loan or and tell people, like, no, 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 this thing that's a yeah, it's little artisanal brewery, it's, it can make you money, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah,
0: so what's <laughs> what's your ideal scale look like? Like, we talk about the podcast, and and I love that, like, we don't have a huge listenership, but I feel like it's a very good, nice concentration of industry folks, and I, yeah. and I, I like that it's small, but, you know.
1: It's it's nice to build that audience as well. Yeah. That's what we tell ourselves. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, the cool thing for us is just like we're doing something that we genuinely enjoy doing. Right. We enjoy being together obviously. And watching it grow even it, it's just like it's it's kind of an incredible thing to to witness. It hasn't yeah. you know, it's I don't it wouldn't blow anyone's minds but just seeing it episode to episode or month to month it's like pretty crazy. Yeah. And the education we're getting. Yeah. Yeah. I talking mean, to people like that you. we retain yeah. for one week. <laughs> <laughs> Until the next education comes out. Until the next huffing. Yeah. Until the next for big, Netcoin big challenge. Big drug set. <laughs> yeah. um, The huffing. Yeah. That's an old school joke from mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. <laughs> joke. <Tempo> Throwback. <time>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's pour another All one. Right, um, nice. But as far as like scale goes, that's changed pretty significantly since we first opened in twenty nineteen. Where when I do, like, pro formas of what I want the future to look like. Yeah, like,
1: how big was the
2: first batch, and how big are the batches now? So, the first batch was five barrels, and now we're brewing seven. But, like, and we produce about... Is this a 55-gallon barrel? What are we talking about? A 31-gallon barrel. Okay. It's a brewer's barrel. But... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Like, <laughs> um, but so when we when I think about like overall, pour that all over the mixer, please. <laughs> yeah. One key is like when someone starts pouring, don't, this move, episode the, don't move the don't move the glass. Out. Yeah, that's a classic Tim right there.
1: He'll do anything to prank you. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> this looks good. So
2: this is a called Saison Delay, it hasn't come out yet. It comes out next week. But and
1: you're intentionally pouring it to
2: have a head oh absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. so another little like fun brewing fact is that 75 percent of what you smell in a beer is actually trapped inside of the co2 bubble oh. so if you have a flat beer it's not going to smell like that so i did bring a flat beer but uh, it's not going to smell the same as if like a good foamy head um, so like those esters i was talking about working so hard to get without that good rocky foam it's just not going to be in there so this is brewed with um chamomile and lavender from rare tea Cellars, and then some honey from guatemala so it's intended to be like a nice little spring mm. quaffable.
0: What amount yeah, of really what, nice. what amount of Thank honey you. do you need for a,
2: for what was the seven barrels? Yeah, Uh, d- depends on what you want. Uh, As Tim has <laughs> ADRI, we, so yeah. typically if you want a number, it's like twenty pounds is what we would use in a typical okay. seven barrel We batch. could provide you honey, really, if you're if you are interested. Absolutely, Tierney honey from
0: yeah. uh, Harvard, Illinois. Absolutely, I would definitely be in. All right, we harvest uh, in October.
2: I'll. I'll Bring you 20 pounds hell yeah wow that's per so we brew a beer i've we, gotten we might zero have already, pounds might, so far <laughs> we might have already brewed it oh, by the time that October, true. but in around uh, christmas and thanksgiving we brew a beer or we release a beer called tree tipper which is uh saison with spruce tips steeped in honey so there's enzymes in honey that actually will cleave terpenes that exist in the spruce tips mm-hmm. and will turn them into different terpenes so that really resinous oh. sprucey character is a is a tip is a nail or something like that like a terpene that will get cleaved into something that's more citrusy and more floral. So we use honey as like an actual like enzymatic engine for changing the way that that beer would taste if we just put the raw <clears throat> ingredients into it. That can also last a long time. yeah that keeps it from spoiling. yeah, <laughs> yeah. well honey's crazy because it's it's Tim taught me about it's it. it's not it's co- antimicrobial as long as you don't dilute it and it doesn't kill microbes. Uh, it's just so It just sh- keeps them suspended. Yeah, it's so sugary that they, they're like, I don't know what to do. So they just like hang out <laughs> yeah. for a while. Micro purgatory. Yeah. So when you when you use it in beer, right, and you put it into beer and you would dilute twenty pounds of honey into two hundred and twelve gallons of beer. Yeah. Anything that's like still asleep in there will wake back up. Mm. Mm. So most breweries have to use honey on what we call hot side, which is before the heat exchanger, before the knockout, because when you boil it you denature anything that might do that or kill anything that might Uh, cause any flavors you didn't want um but we're kind of embracing that with the yeasts we use and the fermentation processes we use so we add it during fermentation and that allows a lot more of the actual aromatics of honey to stay intact um and allows those enzymes to actually work in a way that we want them to so this has like a a pretty robust sweet kind of honey smell and flavor but it finishes at zero play-doh so it's a little some little tricks to like we want this to be a very so. What How does
1: Plato convert to bri- like one to one and one um, to one
2: until you get up to, into like the thirties? Huh? Yeah. What's the alcohol what? content in this? This is five point three.
1: Wow. Tim's limit is five four, so it's good. Four it five. Yeah, high high life. five. Uh, we, can, <laughs> we can water it down for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so when you have,
0: well, I'm interested in like your creative process, like what inspires you and what makes you want to develop a beer, and then how similar is that finished product to how you imagine that to taste
2: so that's that's really it's actually changed a lot over time where originally at pipeworks it was i have an idea to make it taste like this and then we'll do whatever we need to manipulate the the raw ingredients and the process to end up with it tasting like like the first recipe i ever got to write at pipeworks was a white russian imperial stout it was like a white stout that had the flavor, so a white Russian. And Inspired it had, by the dude? Yeah, it had me in a bathrobe on the label <laughs> of it. it. It really did. It was called, uh, hey, careful man, there's a beverage here, there. Another Caucasian. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, and so that was completely different than what I do now, where it was like, that was like, let's take this kind of almost postmodern idea of make a beer taste like this white Russian or make it taste like Cinnamon Toast Crunch cereal milk some uh, and then we also did IPAs and things that were more traditional but now it's um I know what this yeast does I know what it likes to do what do we put around this yeast to make it happy and make the flavors come together in a way that would make sense as a cohesive um like cohesive flavor and for when it's released and for the context people will be drinking it so now it's more driven by process and what our yeast does and what the kind of tradition of Cezanne is and kind of working within that pretty strict guideline. But there's a lot of stuff you can do with it too. Like some of our stuff is complete mixed culture with stuff grown up from my sourdough starter. Um, and some of our stuff only has a single strain of yeast in it. Um, but f- more listening to the ingredients and the yeast specifically and giving it an opportunity to do what it does best is where the, where it is now. Cool
0: um and you talked about how you there are some happy accidents in brewing like you talked about temperature and um what are some unhappy accidents (laughs) that happened in the brewing process
2: opening the wrong valve can be really bad (laughs) (laughs) um taking the wrong clamp off of that valve can also be really bad so we have this beer called levan which is the one we make with partially with our sourdough starter it's fermented entirely in used wine barrels um, for minimum, the minimum age on something that goes into that blend is a year, and the, the oldest we've added so far is about three. And so it's usually three, four or five barrels. We only make it once a year, and it's like by far our most expensive product to sell and to make. And uh, last year when I did the blend, it was a really long day. I transferred out of these barrels. It was all in the tank. It was tasting great, and I just took the wrong... Tri clamp, which is the way that we attach valves and hoses to each other, took the wrong one off and it all just starts pouring out of the tank. And like, so you learn pretty quickly, like, how to fix that problem mm. You're, and you just kind of accept, I'm going to get covered in beer um, what percent did you lose do you think probably so it was a about a 200 170 200 gallon batch i probably lost five uh, 10 gallons of it oh that's not okay so not terrible yeah but it's like still... six hundred dollars in revenue for a brewery that, that you know only yeah. sells one beer a month isn't well and you look at it you're yeah. like God, oh and then you see like all the time and effort and like mm. and you're like uh, what did I, what have I years done? years
0: down the drain maybe
2: guza would have paid to just drink it off the ground <laughs> Gross. Damn, Joe, they're doing you dirty. Yeah, <laughs>
1: throwing
0: Guzo under the bus. I, don't, not here to I the do defense. not, I to,
2: not yeah, co-sign yeah, that. I was trying to get a Guzo reference <laughs> in some way. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, what are some other ones? I mean, so be- beers can be infected really easily or oxidized mm-hmm. really easily if you just don't take every step of the process as seriously as you need to. A lot of brewers love wort production, which is when you're like actually f- what looks like brewing. They don't really care as much about cellar, work which is when it's actually fermenting which is more important than wort production most of the time and most of them just straight despise packaging which is my least favorite part but arguably the most important because that's when you're gonna make them you could make the most errors and you could Mm -hmm. cause this beer that you've beautifully rendered to just turn into some terrible mistake Mm -hmm. so as you
0: scale and Hire people and delegate what is one process that you
2: would not trust somebody with? I mean ultimately, you should be able to trust people with everything mm-hmm. um, and if i don't didn't trust them to do something it means I didn't train them well enough to do it. so okay. we've developed a lot of processes over the last three and a half, four years. They're very specific to the beers we make, so I would uh have to train them how to do it but i uh, if they'd made a mistake like that it's my, it's ultimately would be my fault. That makes sense. Yeah, like, and there isn't one thing where I, like it should be a secret. Yeah. Or there's something where it's like, well, you, you'll never figure out how to do this part. It doesn't. It's not really like that. There's things you get really, you get a lot better at, and you get a lot more instinctual at as you do them over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so when I work with Ari, who's the guy who helps me brew everything, he doesn't have a brewing background really. He was a distiller for a long time, and he made some like fantastic distilled things. But you know, there's there's small things like we need a lot of hot water and that's all held in one tank right you need water for cleaning stuff you need water for mashing you need water for sanitary reasons and his like (laughs) i don't want to throw him under the bus but early on when we started working together his uh hot liquor tank management skills weren't the best and it was always in like good faith of like more hot water is going to be better and then he would just run it dry and we get to a point where like hey are you are we out of hot water he's like maybe <laughs> and so it's it, it's stuff like that where like i should have known or i should have like watched ben more closely uh like or told him told yeah. him yeah and kind of foreseen that stuff but ultimately those are small things yeah and uh, there's very few things in a brewery that will make well in a small brewery that will make things super dangerous or ruin beers completely it is a dangerous environment but you just got to make sure you have people that know like don't go in there it's still full of co2 and you will literally drown or yeah. it's still so hot ne- <laughs> so you've never bottled anything where you like open
1: it and you're like what the?
2: oh every time <laughs> <laughs> every time like i i tell myself i'm not gonna so it takes about at least two weeks to get carbonation and at least a month until i'm like all right it's kind of settled into what it's going to be for the foreseeable future but i'm opening stuff in three or four days and being like well, i fucking ruined this again mm-hmm. like, <laughs> every but then t- like when you <laughs> wait it out is it <clears throat> yeah it's always it's always uh, we've yet to bottle a beer that because of bottling completely ruined it okay um you know i've done dumb stuff to ruin beers in other ways but there is like now like a soft rule with my fiance that like i'm not allowed to open beers for the first time at home (laughs) because it just bums me out when i'm like too many holes in the wall yeah (laughs) yeah <laughs> yeah no it's it, it, no i'm not a mad boy i'm a sad boy so like, oh, yeah i'm a sad boy.
1: yeah
2: anyway, i would just be like oh this is it's, i ruined this whole batch and then i go into this like spiral of like oh then no, we're not gonna be able to sell beer this month and that's gonna be oh no like ah, and then yeah. a couple of days later she's like well did you have to dump that beer I'm like
0: oh and that's the best no it's probably
2: the best <laughs> yeah. One. yeah yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> typically like i tasted this like a week ago, and I was like, "Well, this sucks." And now I'm taking it down. Oh, and I'm like, "This I'm is killing." It. Yeah, <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's, it, it's doing exactly what I wanted it to do. But um, yeah, having some patience with that, and knowing like it's gonna turn out okay as long as you did everything you know you're supposed to do up to that point, you you shouldn't have a problem. So you
0: can you can read about brewing in a book, you can watch videos on YouTube, and learn the theory. Yeah, but what are some things that you wouldn't necessarily learn until you've spent your ten thousand hours doing it what is what are some of the things that like the spidey senses you develop just being around it
2: sure i mean the biggest ones happen when you're actually doing wart production for me at least um where you develop this kind of uh this you have to be very present for a lot of it and then parts of you can just kind of be on your phone but there's certain parts where you're like, I have to be, you know, paying attention to this and that, and you get the rhythm of what you need to be looking at and what should be at what levels and how quickly things should be moving, and then you get an idea of how that's gonna affect the final beer. So if some one if one fire is burning somewhere and a bigger one's burning somewhere else, you know how to like go and like fix the one that needs to get fixed for the quality of the beer and not just the one for your own neuroses. Um, there's so there's a- like developing the ability to anticipate based yeah. on experience. It, it, and like anticipate, and then also extrapolate, like the same way that I taste these too soon. Like now I know, like oh, they're gonna be fine. But when we first started out, like I had never done any of these things we're doing on a commercial level, and I'd never done any of them particularly well. To be perfectly like, honest with you, like I just was, I had faith in my ability to figure it out. And we started in a way that um, was super low overhead, and so if we messed something up, it was like all right, goes down the drain. Um, but yeah. And, and, to be able to extrapolate and understand the actual impact of things like that's not even a garbage truck. What no, is that's that? What it is. <laughs> it's a trifecta. <laughs> no. Well, Guzo said he was going to pull up in the alley at some point with something loud yeah, on a hovercraft. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: but yeah, being and the ability, just the ability to be present, and then also carry that through like a, a month-long fermentation process and cycle, um, and <laughs> <Sounds> <laughs> it's <insane>. really loud. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then figuring out how to troubleshoot like i, I i'm sorry i am more specific answers for I mean, this a, but it is a bizarre question really i'm surprised si- you had this much to it's really situation <laughs> 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 well, yeah, it no, no it's a good question but yeah, it, it really is gratuity, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah i mean just understanding generally where things are supposed to be like yeah, I, don't I don't have a more and then knowing when it's okay for them not to be there and when it's you know panic time that like okay this beer is know this is supposed to be getting down to zero and it's you know two and a half weeks in and it's still at four play-doh like what what's going on with that why is that happening can it get to zero still or is that yeast just dead and if it's dead well what do we do do is we pitch more yeast do we have to dump this and then figuring out what you can and can't do to still make quality beer how can people get your beer so we're, we're self-distributed so i mean and by we i mean i drive it around in my station wagon so we release one beer a month um and if you you can shoot me an email is uh, it at foxtrot uh sometimes not yeah. always like we so everything's in these 500 milliliter bottles or, or kegs and so we were at foxtrot a lot and then when they got 65 million dollars like this doesn't move quite fast enough in these weird bottles yeah, so yeah. um sometimes it's there but um and then we also have like an online web store where yeah. if you go on there, you can pick it up at Beguile, um, which is like our host brewery. You can pick it up in their channel. And tap room. are you on tap anywhere, like in any bars or restaurants? Yeah, so it's pretty sporadic, but we're always on places like Beer Temple and Bitter Pops, like more craft beer focused places. But also, um, we're usually on it. Like, we're a good amount of like natural wine bars. Like, every once in a while, we had red and white. Oh, we're cool. pretty much always on it all together now. Um, and then like a bunch of places in the suburbs as well. So we do the city nice. and the surrounding suburbs and then we do a little bit of Europe. Cool. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: All right. Nice.
2: Now we're going to hit you
0: with the gratuity round. Booyah. Uh, let's do it. One final sip. Oh, sure. What's your whistle? Mm-hmm <laughs> <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Scofflaw Old Tom Gin, a tasty, versatile spirit. Created in Chicago in 2012, the product was born out of a need for a bespoke iteration of the Old Tom style, which is the slightly sweeter predecessor to London Dry. Scoffla Old Tom Gin carries classic notes of orange peel, juniper, and coriander while balancing on a subtle floral edge thanks to the addition of osmanthus blossoms. Its elevated proof is suitable in cocktails or unadorned. Scoffla Old Tom Gin, complete your bar.
2: For someone who's listened to every episode of this show, I should have prepared more answers. <laughs> It'll all come flooding back to me. How you. often
1: are you drinking, by the way?
2: Like, how much are you just taking, like a little taste? Was
0: this or an there? intervention? Yeah. Whoa. Intervention.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> like people always ask yeah, me that. There's I mean, an officer yeah. waiting downstairs. Um, I mean, Tim drinks, way more than I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Most paint. most days, most days I'm drinking something, but. it's seldom (laughs) sounds terrible seldom at work does it amount to even a full beer yeah it'll be like a couple ounces of something or like when these are conditioning you gotta pour and make sure and then like I don't know if this is actually true but it's something that Michael Jackson not the the bad one but the beer writer yeah said is that you can't actually perceive the full finish of a beer with spitting so you have to swallow beer for some reason Mm. i just uh, now i'm just like well he said it so i gotta do it (laughs) um but yeah we also have a bunch of stuff that's like on fruit and like that's so i'll go into like a barrel and wine thief that and taste a little taste of that but most days i don't drink at work which is a hilarious sentence to say out loud but um yeah just uh, probably more than i'd like to but (laughs) <laughs> yeah but not a crazy would, yeah it's it's just me too so i'm like yeah, you and everything we everything. do is like organoleptically driven so it has to be tasted um which sounds like a cop-out but uh, less yeah. usually less than a beer if i yeah. am tasting stuff but i'm not tasting
0: stuff every day yeah i'd imagine in the beer community there are alcoholics disguising it as beer enthusiasm
2: uh on both the production and the consumption side of that yeah, no, absolutely I mean, yeah it's like the yeah it's the Unspoken, and you, there's some really bad examples where it's like you're not. It's not even hiding it. Like you'll do some collaborations, and the guy's like, "Let's start drinking." It's like it's seven a.m. Man, like, like no no, 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 we just gotta <sighs> taste this. And like, that's a finished can. Of your, like, double IPA, <laughs> a finished can. Like this isn't in process anymore. But... And it's it it's is weird. where like, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> I, I've been doing this for almost ten years, maybe more than ten years, but. It's nice to be on the other side of the peer pressure of that. Like when you're like 23 or 24, first it's exciting. And you're like, ooh, nice. We're we're drinking in the morning and it's cool. And you realize like it's not actually that cool. (laughs) When you're tired by like 11 a.m. and you need to work the rest of the day, not sweet. And like the reality of tasting things like that is that you can only taste like really critically taste four to six things. And then after that, you're just drinking yeah your power you're not are right. yeah so even like lighter beers like this it's like if i have two or three samples of that it's like well, well now i know that my Palettes going off yeah. like i used to do the barrel program at pipeworks too and that thing had 400 bourbon barrels full of beer in it and i was the only person who really did anything in there yeah, to taste each one and every day they, not every day <laughs> i, I mean, that i mean honestly that was part of what i was like i just don't even want to drink these beers ever again because yeah. i would have to drink each one at least three times to sample each one to make sure it was going through mm-hmm. the process correctly and blended we were blending it correctly and i'm like I don't even like this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't even want to be here anymore.
2: All right. Now that the garbage truck
0: has left, let's (laughs) wrap this up. Well, there's one coming. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's three (laughs) or four more coming. Well, that's for the next interview uh, after (laughs) this one. We scheduled, yeah. All right. What is your death row meal?
2: Uh, It would be like a surf and turf variant with crab legs and uh, brisket ooh yeah Where's i love, the brisket love a good from? brisket i don't have an answer for that because like fine. i forget where the best one i had yeah. <laughs> I was at, i was at a brewery in texas called jester king and they had it catered and i was like this is the best brisket i've oh, ever had in my entire wow. life specific so it was somewhere from central texas but i don't they didn't <laughs> yeah, they were like, I don't, they're like i don't even know there's so many places around here that do this so <laughs> something like that, that must be
0: nice do you have a favorite barbecue spot in the city um uh, okay it, to it changes no. not really yeah, no
2: okay we asked I mean, smoke McGee and smoke just, is usually, yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, usually good yeah green street's usually good yeah i just don't want to leave anyone out yeah yeah that's pretty good <laughs> just keep naming then everyone yeah. soul and smoke actually. probably drinking a, smoke. Drinking a Carter around really good barbecue yeah it's great yeah. uh all right and what's your favorite hidden gem restaurant uh this one, I don't, this is the one I have no answer for this, but I think Alpine Foods or Alpine Deli. Have you been yeah, there? Yeah, on like
1: near on the way right by, Johnny's. by Johnny's. Yeah. yeah oh so like, my I, gosh. you know, when, when I do out deliveries out North Ave. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like, like a couple like an an anti- blocks. It is
2: pretty cool. Well, it's also because like every time I'm out there. I'll, like, go, like, you know, 15, 20 minutes out of my way on delivery day out to the suburbs to eat at Johnny's. Oh, for sure. And I went there, and there's are like, one of those randomly closed for a couple weeks huh. situations. I've so never seen like,
1: Johnny's closed. It was
2: in, like, February or oh, something. Oh, yeah. I got pranked by that, too.
0: That yeah. sucked. it yeah, was all the way out there, and you're so go well, on. so yeah. then I
2: was like, well, I've heard a lot about this place, and I walked out there, and it was... Probably the best Italian sub yeah, I've had. Up there with Graziano's for sure. Maybe yeah, beat it, good. but uh, I can't say that for certain. Yeah, but it, was, it was killer. The
0: other PSA for Johnny's is it is cash only. Yeah, and if you get out there, there is not a close ATM. <laughs> no, you are running down that strip Same of with, like bars uh, and restaurants. Vito
1: Nix, my friend
0: oh
2: yeah danny there's no atm at Vito and nick's
1: no danny no, had to walk insane. like three miles to get <laughs> yeah, cash but it was i undying. refused to guys, cover yeah. his share yeah, Tim's like Dedicated. i'm flush maybe i could cover you but <laughs> yeah. not this time just dangling <laughs> yeah, the just money just on here here out hills. my money <laughs> danny came back like 45 Tim's minutes making later it rain but he won't let me have any of <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay all right all right what's your favorite fast food uh, the, the stock answer if I don't really eat much fast food I actually made like a commitment to myself that I yeah. wouldn't I would only eat Johnny's prepared yeah guys, Johnny's <laughs> uh, I would only eat prepared food from places that weren't chains because okay. like when I, I do all of our deliveries and when you're out in like some of the far flung yeah, western suburbs chain. and you're just like well I'm just guess I'm just gonna go to Wendy's yeah. and then you end up feeling terrible and then the slippery slope starts happening but that said when I'm hung over, i will have raisin canes oh but you, ha- but wow. you have to eat it like immediately it yeah
1: you my cousin rachel <clears throat> i'm gonna bring rachel up in every episode it seems like Good. but uh she's a huge raisin canes fan and i'd never had it and she's like you gotta have it and one time she like brought it over yeah and it just like doesn't travel
2: no Where not not it? at all like, even if you walk there's to your car and them, eat it in your like
1: there's like one in lakeview there's like one there's one right by wrigley there yeah one sorry one wrigleyville and yeah there's like one what they're like not yeah they're in the if su- you live like around here yeah you're none not finding easily. yeah
2: what's your but, order
1: uh i just, just get like three
2: they mind, only make yeah. chicken fingers yeah, so exactly. you can like get them on it's a sandwich but yeah
1: it's, it was still good it just i could tell like i had to have it there
2: yeah and i'm not even a particularly big chicken guy but for some reason when i'm hung over it's yeah. like oh, i gotta get ripe it with some canes i know i gotta go in person surprised the first time it's come up mm. all right i think they're newer around chicago too yeah. in the last year so, but uh, also culver's <laughs> yeah, you just yeah. what's your order butter burger butter burger with Butterburg. a smile
0: knowing it's full <laughs> well <laughs> I mean, It's fact at this point.
2: If I had actually calculated how long it would take me to get here correctly and didn't show up like 10 minutes late, I was going to stop at a Culver's by oh, my wow. house and bring you oh, burgers. The it it's a thought that counts. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to the put beers the heater on. Sweet I'm,
0: I'm not kidding. I went to Culver's three times last week. Because it was warm. And I'm like, so you, treat myself. It
1: was warm. Treat myself to a cone. That's
0: the most yeah, Chicago what? thing to yeah. do. It was, warm, it was so warm out. I had to be, I had not, to eat a bunch of beef. It's not convenient. No. No, it was, it was ice cream twice and a burger once. <laughs> okay, I need a bunch Custard, of dairy customer. and beef. I know, yeah, I, <laughs> some yeah. Midwestern oh shit. God, it's good. a Wisconsin chain. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. What is the holy grail for beer collectors? Ooh, Danny had an like, answer. I want to see if you guys have the same answer.
1: Like,
2: if you name a few, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it'll come up. Like for, Like actual beers? Because there's some weird cultural things of like, I want to like glasses and stuff yeah. um for beers beer itself. the holy grail of beers one of them themselves. is in a bottle similar to yours Mm-mm. but bigger <laughs> no hints <laughs> but bigger so it's every single format yeah, beer yeah, possible exactly. <laughs> i mean there's there's like some stock answers of like west Vletter and 12 which is made by one abbey in belgium or like some cantillon stuff but then you get down these uh i would probably say it's some of the rarer Drief which are like super small batch. They have their own like cherry orchard and stuff. So it's this, this insane naturally fermented one, two, three, and four year old beers blended together to recarbonate in the bottle. That's, and they're
1: all Belgian that you're mentioning. Yeah.
2: Those are Belgian. I mean, there's, there's or what does that
0: cost on a secondary market?
2: That's stuff uh, on the secondary market for stuff that's like really hard to get yeah <clears throat> it's not crazy like even the most expensive beers won't go for like more than a thousand dollars or something like huh. that well danny uses thousand dollar bills as toilet paper sure. danny? <laughs> but when you compare it to like bourbon or wine or something it's like it, yeah it's right. beer is still relative what, what were you thinking uh pliny Pliny, Pliny's like pretty gettable now though. Okay. at the t- like, it has to be in 10, California. It has to be in California. 13 years
1: ago, maybe my roommate was pretty into beer and homebrewing. Was, it was like very special to him.
2: It's It still is in Chicago. It's only really okay. in California and some other places. Yeah, like someone brought it out
1: and he was like, this is special. And I was like, okay. Yeah,
2: yeah that's super, that, that, that is really special. And like, I'm always delighted when someone has one or if I get get to have it, but there's stuff that's just like, we only made, you know, 24 bottles of this yeah, and it, like yeah. the nerds freaked different, out about it yeah different, different tier of like, yeah. like and some of that stuff you have it and you're just like oh, really? yeah it's like dark lord day i mean when people would bring dark
1: it's like oh my god it's so special like someone waited all day for it or whatever yeah and
2: you're like yeah you did why <laughs> <laughs> like, and there that is uh, do you like that's beer do you like metal yeah, yeah. no <laughs> yeah. do you like mud <laughs> no all right i don't know why you went there then. yeah what about the <laughs> non beer collectibles uh so I have a friend who was scouring uh Belgian eBay for a long time buying lambic glasses like these mm. like old limited edition lambic glasses Lambic glasses like um it's they're, stemware they're... but short stem and like yeah there's a bunch of different like styles usually they're like tumblers they're like tumblers that have like um they're like have like lines on the bottom of them uh, oh. like, uh, running down the side they look more or less like water glasses and what is the function of that is that release bubble uh, carbonation is that so that style of beer is just so old and that's just what they drank them out of like oh. there's no real like but like the Lundermans one or whatever that that's that's like the flute yeah that's right? that, that's more just for them to like look how much, how red this is yeah okay um, but these are like things that were like made for like comic books that were take place in lambic breweries and just like all these he's like and he he's also the kind of guy who's like oh, this one's a little bit more orange than the typical red printing so it's mm-hmm. even more rare. Oh, I see. And so he got married recently and his wife was like this shit's got to go. We cannot <laughs> have 100 Lambic glasses and he sold them for like thousands and thousands of dollars wow. to collectors. He hmm. had stuff in his in, he had stuff in his collection that like the Lambic museum was like how did you get that? <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's Do, awesome. Yeah, you know you're really deep in it when you're looking at essentially Belgian estate sales to find yeah. glasses. i glasses. <laughs> Mid-century uh, modern Lambé glasses. I monitor German eBay for old Braun
0: lighters. Oh, really? Because they're very hard to find here, but they're everywhere over there. Huh. But finding them in working order is almost impossible. Is that
2: something you can, like, repair?
0: No, because it's generally a cracked tank, and they don't mm. make those, and they have to hold gas. So okay, Just tape it up.
2: so so you'll fill it and you're like it's working and then you hear like (laughs) you're like oh shit shit, i'm about to be lit on fire right i guess that's better than covering yourself in gasoline and smoking a cigar (laughs) (laughs) first rob lapata shout out (laughs) love it every episode i told you (laughs) all right what's your favorite big beer oh like a macro beer macro um high life yeah there you go i think we agree there
0: yeah yep all right trifecta all in agreement What is your favorite
2: cocktail? Uh, That's changed a lot over the years, too. I used to be a big bourbon person when I was doing more bourbon barrel-aged beers. But now my favorite cocktail is I'll take a swig out of, like, a pure LaCroix and pour some Maysu in there and just drink that. wow. (laughs) That's that's like a spaghetti, Yeah, yeah, basically, basically, yeah. yeah. Good answer.
1: All right. Um, Follow-up questions on that, Danny? No, I mean, would you say that you generally like, like, those aperitivos if you're having a cocktail yeah. something that's kind of lighter lower abv similar to the style beer that you enjoy
2: i like i like pretty much everything i'll try pretty much anything my Is favorites are like spirit s- preference? brown and stirred things okay. or like spritzier things with amaro in them are like my two favorite all right cool anything tall and brown don draper <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: all right uh what trivia category would you dominate uh like probably
2: new york yankees baseball or wow. like advanced baseball analytics
0: any like, specific
2: era or just the whole like, yeah yeah like 1996 through probably 2009 you think paul wow. o'neill could hit two home runs for you could he, <laughs> na- now <laughs> he could he could rip a couple dingers yeah that's yeah. so funny uh, okay <laughs> um i went <was> like, <laughs> yeah. over my head to so. what do you
0: attribute your success
2: um, I don't know if I feel super successful all the time, but um, people. I'd say other you're pe- successful. Oh, mm-hmm. thank you. Um, Following your passion and yeah. being able to do it. Don't yeah. answer for him. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm just I'd saying say, uh, oh, that he's Why successful. you consider, yeah, yeah. yeah my, i mean, My parents and people that, like, I've gotten to know in the beer industry along the way, and just inst- my parents instilling, like, curiosity and uh, belief in myself <laughs> generally that, like, yeah you can make that happen and just being loving parents cool. is there a
0: single mentor in the industry you can point to or have you just had a lot of people teach you stuff over the years
2: uh it's a lot there's a lot of people yeah Cause like yeah not a, there's no single person but like there's people i talk to all the time like kevin from beguile is someone i've gotten really close to because we're there all the time and mm-hmm. he, both running breweries and pete from middlebrow is someone i've talked to a bunch about just generally how crazy running a brewery can be
0: yeah, yeah. I love his episode. He's a fun, yeah, he's awesome. fun hang. Great dude. Yeah. Uh, all right. What is something that bars or restaurants <laughs> do that might annoy you? Um, I, so,
2: uh, more, can I do brewery tap rooms? Yeah. Sure. More specifically, uh, lacking, and this is ironic from someone who only makes Saison right now, but lacking a diversity of styles that can appeal to more people. Mm-hmm. Um, just so many tap rooms are just fourteen IPAs and then yeah. Yeah, that's two pale. What
0: what's and a good balance? What should what's the ideal balance for
2: you? I mean you only need to have one or two of things that aren't your main your main vibe, right? Like if you make hazy IPAs, just make mostly those, but also have a couple actually considered well made loggers or something that's a little bit more drinkable or that isn't higher ABV. Yeah. I mean most of the time now if I go to see my parents or my fiance's family or something, they're like, let's go to this brewery. I'm like, let's just go to a bar. like it's a, I don't want to be the guy who's like, there's nothing at this craft brewery yeah. that I want to drink, which happens. More un- than unfortunately than hypercritical. And, yeah. Right. Because there is a level of academic to it, right? Where you can never fully turn off the, like, if it's a craft beer, I'm going to be critiquing it and thinking mm-hmm. about it. That never Turns totally into a sad away. boy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 only if it's my beer and it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and then our
0: last question, new last question. Yeah, second second time we're pulling <laughs> the, out. You the, haven't the heard the this positive one yet. vibes question. Yep. That's right.
2: What is the best thing about
0: Chicago's dining scene?
2: Oh, uh, I think it probably has the best confluence of incredibly high-end execution and uh, affordability and pro- approachability compared to anywhere else that I've eaten or been to. That's yeah. a great answer. Agreed. Agreed. Here, here. Here, here. Clink, clink. clink. Now,
0: that, now that we're all in agreement. Wait, Tim still has a lot of beer left <laughs> in his glass, so uh, he can yeah. share with us. Um, I'm she, waiting for to correct a that next boy. one. All right, He's Mike not a sad boy. Thanks so much for joining us Thanks today. For that. Thanks for having me. And that concludes our conversation with Mike Shalau of Is Was Brewing. Thanks for listening, and remember to check us out on Instagram at joinerspod for exclusive content, cocktail recipes from Danny Shapiro, throwback photos of our guests, and even video reels, compliments of Joe Guzzo III, a.k.a. the Goosemeister. This episode was produced by Matt Haddock and music by Captain Cuts. We'll see you next week.